Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Tastes like homemade. Grab a Cully and Sully for soup season. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Welcome to another edition of Dishing It Out, a Go Loud original podcast with me, Gary O'Hanlon. And me, Gareth Mullins. Sponsored by Cully and Sully. And coming up today, we've got the great... Kira, Dr. Kira Kelly in studio. We have a brilliant chat with Kira, so definitely tune in for that. And we'll be answering all your culinary dilemmas, plus our little gadget of the week, and we talk cookbooks later on as well. So my gadget this week is a cast iron casserole dish. And I'll tell you why I'm choosing that, because uh, I, I, as you know, I do loads of recipes on the Pat Kenny show, and I always talk about it. And I just think it's something that every home cook should try and buy early because you'll own it forever. Um, and there's all the different brands out there, Staub and Cassoulet and all these things. But I seen one in one of the German supermarkets the other day and I had a little, it was like 40 quid and it was proper heavy. Mm. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for weight. So if you yeah. pick it up with these, put it back down again. Don't buy it. You want something with plenty of weight. The reason for that is it retains the temperature. So when you're slow cooking or braising, it keeps the temperature consistent. They're absolutely amazing. It's not really yeah. a gadget, but it's yeah. a piece of kit I would not live well, with. Well, look, whenever we say gadget, we really do mean like things, gadgets and equipment. And, bits of and, gear. And bits of gear in your kitchen that actually makes your, your life easier. And yeah, mine is a stab. The Crusade are amazing as well. But you know what? I, I we, we probably chat about them a lot, but Nevin's range and, and Oh guns. yeah, brilliant. I mean, if you want, yeah. if you want bang for buck, I have yeah. to say, like he, he, wherever he's sourcing the stuff, but Nevin's got an absolutely brilliant one, really affordable. Like I've got one there that I got in Ireland. So it was like just over 500 chilies made. Like I, I, I have it, at, it has its own press. And when I lift it out, I swear to God, even to wash it, I'm, I'm nervous washing it. You know what I mean? I cook so much on it. And when you mentioned there about being on with Pat Kenny and, you know, I've often been on, especially this time of year, once you get into the fall and the winter, you're, you know, you treat it right and you look after it. It keeps that nice, good base. But yeah, great, great shout. So for me, I've gone this week with a pestle and mortar, but a granite one. For me, it must be a bit coarse. I find the wooden ones or the stone ones. Yeah, there's not enough weight on them. And also a large one, you know. So I suppose it's it's like one of those things that like your your cast iron uh, pot or whatever it nearly needs its own wee press or area if you're lucky enough and you have a wee bit of space I do like a fairly decent sized pestle and mortar and uh, and I love granite just because most of the time in the insert of them it is a wee bit rougher It's it's got a more abrasive surface and it's just so much easier what do you use well for me honestly it's spices really would be the one thing I would grind down I might toast if I'm doing a curry or you know quite often I'll be the first one to tell you quite often I can be lazy and use the powders and do whatever but you know I went to watch Sunil many many years ago doing a few demos out at LaRousse and whatnot through the years so if I'm going to put a bit of effort into a dish and I'm going to be spicing up or doing I'm not going to say cooking something authentically Indian or Chinese but I'll throw a stab at it every now and again I'll always take out the whole spices measure them up weigh them up Toast them, always toast them in a pan. That just reignites like your star anise, your cinnamon, whatever it is that you're using. Releases the oils. Releases the oils, gets the flavour. I mean, you'll you'll smell something that's in, in a packet in your larder and you'll get a bit of a kick out of it. Now put it in a frying pan, a dry pan and dry roast it and then smell it. And it's just completely taken on a whole, whole new life. Bash it in a mortar and, and then, and then and bash really it, it. And then you really smell it then. You're really opening that, it up. David Thompson cookbook I've made the massimum I've made the green curry I made a yellow curry and he says in it don't use a food processor use a mortal and pestle yeah because the bruising of the shallots and the chilli and the cafe lime yeah. and all these things yeah. um, and also they're brilliant for making pesto brilliant uh, yeah. mortal and pestle yeah that's yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. They're, and even if you want to learn how to make mayonnaise I think teaching someone how to make a mayonnaise or an aioli in a mortar and pestle. Yeah. So again, they're not mad money. You're get getting them. the feel for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you understand. You can see it rather than a, just a blade running. And I a, think a, wee, a wee trick on the on the pestles. Whenever you have your pine nuts and that in there, a couple of little flecks of molden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rock salt, and it helps with the abrasion. Yeah, to break it down. That's two good ones this week. <laughs> 
Okay, so we have another guest in studio today, and one of my tables best. Tables have turned. Yeah, the tables have turned. Yeah, <laughs> usually this woman has been asking me many questions for many, many years. Actually, I think the first two and a half years of her show. She's now on News Talk Breakfast with Shane Coleman. It's the brilliant Dr. Kira Kelly. Hello. I still call you Doc. I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. You've got to show the love You're for it. So welcome. Big time. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys. Show the, show the, the love for education, Kerry. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, imagine going to college. I remember being beside Kira one time and somebody just giving her the Kira Kira I was like going oh, I might be listening to the radio or whatever I was like Jesus have a bit of respect like it's Dr. Kira Kira and I did I got her out. and I said it to her then the next time I was in late lunch live doing the food stuff I was like you know I'd be putting the hammer but anybody that wouldn't be as chilled as Kira would be getting a bit scarpy about that or you've made peace with it have you? I'm not I am pretty chilled about stuff like that Yeah. Like, you know even when I was working as a doctor I didn't get my patients to call me doctor or anything No. How, how long did you actually practice as a doctor for? 20 years I know it's hard to believe looking at me at you no. think you must have started work when you were 6 <laughs> whenever you started your own show uh, right after I mean you contributed no more than me like George Hook was probably the first one to give you a rattle in news talk or were you doing something no. on radio long before that no George like I would have done a bit of I was writing in the paper I was writing in the Sunday Independent and then I would have been doing a bit of local radio just because East Coast which was where oh, yeah. I was cl- living close to would ask me on to talk about flu vaccines or something and then I don't even know how News Talk started ringing. But anyway, News Talk started ringing and George Hook started having me on. And there's only so many people can tolerate George. There's only so many people George could tolerate as yeah. well. It was kind of a mutual thing. Yeah. And let's be honest, I was well able for it. Oh, I'm well able. <laughs> well, you have to be well able well, for Well, that George. was the thing. And so, and, and I think they found it hard, particularly genuinely, to find women who were well able for him. Because, like, you know how I, yeah. I'm not the most sensitive soul. No. I really am not. <laughs> and I have, oily. I like the bit of crack. Yeah. So he could say it to me and I wouldn't give him monkeys. And yeah. so, so we started that thing where I would come on and do health. And it was all very proper health journalism to start off with. But then it ended up, we, I don't know how it changed, but it ended up we'd start talking about women or, 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 or politics or television or literally we start talking about anything at some point. I love not, George. Not. I think he, I think he's greatly missed on the airwaves uh, as well. You know what? He, I know he divides an audience, but... He does, yeah. but he, he, he's great value too. Yeah, but I mean, he, he, stands he, by, he stands by an opinion, you know. I remember like, I helped him out on a main course question. He couldn't get Stevie on the phone before he did the restaurant himself. He was my first ever show and was supposed to be my only show. George Hook was your first ever? Yeah, I, I was... A baptism I, of yeah, fire. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anton it was a cook-off. I was brought in to do a... A one-off episode for Christmas Day back 12 years ago and um, halfway through that day Philip Camp came in the, the boss you know yeah, Philip and uh, he said what are you doing next Wednesday and I says well I'll be in a few months I'll be cooking like working he goes can you be here and I goes aye he says we got another show for New Year's Day or whatever so then we did another cook-off with Gerald Keane and Joe Duffy that was a, there's a, some stories with that day that'd be good crack getting all them out but anyway George rang me after the show and he goes I like how you say your I's your T's and your H's I goes what are you on about George and he goes I just he says you'll sound good on radio and he goes give me a ring whatever day next week and then I got a 10 part uh, so he had this show called the Saturday Sit-In yeah. and half it was around the time of the American elections and for half of them Bill Hughes sat in to um, cover for George George was in Washington covering the elections and then I ended up doing shows with Bill Hughes so it's funny how it all spiraled and you yeah. you know you get one wee break and, and it did you know then after doing that for a little while like, do you know what I'm, I'm going to get into this, this yeah I got bitten by a bit of a bug and I, I genuinely did I, I think when I knew and it's funny I did the Saturday sit-in too and that was one of the first times I went off road as in I didn't talk about health I have a feeling we talked oh. about box sets or something I think yeah. we were talking about telly I, I can't remember <laughs> right. but, but it was one of the first times that Dr. Kira had ever okay. had ever been rolled out yeah. not talking about shingles or yeah. something. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So so it was kind of it was a bit off road for me and it, and it was fun. But then Fridays on the right hook on George's show was a panel show and he he it was a movable feast who was in it, but it ended up it was always himself, Dave McIntyre and Shane Coleman. They were the, the team on a Friday. Right. And they did it every Friday. And somehow along the way, and I'm not even sure how it happened, I became the first sub on the bench. So if one of them was off, it was me. Jordan. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, they just said, ah, feck it, let's just have her as well. So I became like the, the yeah. token girl. I became the token girl on the team. <laughs> and it was the no crack way. because very often it was me arguing with all three of them at the same time. And we used to argue like cats and dogs. And we used to belly laugh like yeah. you wouldn't believe. First of all, we all became very good friends. 
and second of all, uh, and and to this, like I still work with Shane Coleman every single day, yeah. and that that relationship started there. Um, but that was when I suddenly went, "This is these lads' job." It's like yeah. you guys, you guys, yeah. you do the media like the way I did the media, but yeah. you're actually chefs. Yeah. I was a doctor, but I was doing the media. But I went, "There's people who have this actual the, the actual laugh bit of the week." As their job, I know, amazing. And I kind of went, mm, wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind a piece of that. <laughs> and little by little, I was doing more and more of it. And then, and when we asked to do the restaurant, then and did that put any type of fear in you? I, uh, you joking me? <laughs> really? Yeah, I was afraid that day. I was it's mad that everybody just says how frightened. It's they a are. very they long day. Yeah. You're knackered. You're on your feet. You're you're in the kitchen. It's all chef this and that, and it's hot. And you know that's where we work every day. I know, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But it is. You know, it's like. It's like being in the trenches or something. Yeah. There's something very Misery. intense <laughs> about it, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I that was I was already on Operation Transformation when I was asked, and actually Philip Camp is the producer on Operation yeah. Transformation. So, and just one one day I was at work on Operation Transformation. He says, "Would you come in and do the restaurant?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, grand." Didn't really think about it. I was already doing your show, I think, in yeah. 2018. So we knew I? each other. Yeah, we and did. And so yeah. then we came in and and did the gig. Uh, but I did find it very long and tiring and stressful and then I only got four stars out of five. Oh, I'll tell you, four, four is good. Gutted. Four is very hard to get. So, so who, where did this menu come from then? If, if oh God, do you chef? really want me to tell you the truth? Yeah, because someone had... It's to... very typical of me, right? I arrived to that meeting and I thought we were going to have a discussion about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then people said, so what's your menu? <laughs> you were like, sorry? <laughs> I totally was, but I'm, an, I'm nothing, a lot it's not a good do. bullshitter. Yeah. So I made up things that I'd eaten in restaurants. Yeah. And I had well, no idea. Very restaurant sounding. I, have I to say. literally was like, oh shit. I have to say, Doc, just looking here, pan fried scallops and clonic kilty pudding. If ever there's a fucking dish that drives me mental, it's that I'm there. Really spat my coffee out. Like there's loads of people that there's loads here, I have to end this. I have a dish on the restaurant menu at the moment. Of course you do. Scallops with smoked black pudding. Oh, well, you and see? A, that makes all the Delicious. And a, and a champagne bro blanc. So there you go, right? So uh, uh, Don't back in your box there, will you? But you see, so I was in a room full of, of TV producers, and as I said, yes, I'm, I'm nothing if not. Exactly. Everyone likes to eat it. Exactly. But I thought, I'm nothing if not a bullshitter. So I immediately just went in, oh, yeah, scallops. And I don't even remember what else. Oh, a monkfish or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah and in go. my monkfish head, I was actually going, shit, shit. I'm looking at it here. Seared full of the I was bullshitting. I, I had no thoughts walking into that meeting. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a consultative <laughs> process. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't probably paid enough attention to whatever emails had been sent. So I made it all up on the spot and So when you say you're unhappy with four, then you must we must have felt on the night that you were really knocking well, on a fan. Well, because we always get a feeling they ate they, they they drooled all over my starter. They were like Lick the plate. Yeah, you're they, welcome. They, they, <laughs> they licked the plate. They drooled all over the mains. Yeah. And I don't know what I I don't know. I See, Marco Pierre, why we kept looking at me and I kept looking at him and, and, I, I, and I think halfway through he went, she's too cocky, this one, which wouldn't be untrue. So we were, we were eyeballing each other like poker players over the table. So then he started trouncing my, um, my dessert and it really annoyed me because um, Rachel Allen and, and um, who's the third person? Forgive me. I don't know who. Well, but they literally, he is very dominant, as you know. He's like the yeah, alpha yeah, in the room. Old. And he started going, this is, I don't like this at all. And literally... He yeah, turned like the table and I was like, grow a, actually, you you actually said to me, after, grow a backbone about the others, right? And I was like, yeah, grow a backbone, Rachel Allen. Even though Rachel Allen, if you're listening, you're lovely and we all love you. Well, that does, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something that really, really fucking irks me about the show, right? Whenever they're at the table, they would have these opinions about, about the dish, right? And then Marco would come yes. in with his, and more often than not, he started enthusing about yeah. it. That's how it started, and, and then he rubbished it, and then the whole thing well, changed. Cool. Yeah, yeah, but that more often, more, more just in that yeah. situation, more often than not, then Marco will say something different because he's really cute too when it comes to TV. I mean, if he feels everyone's going one way, yeah. right there and then, I I would see his face, and he and he might flick the oh, other way. Yeah, yeah. But now. The, the two critics that are there that have said the nice things about the dish, then it kind of comes back into a general discussion. They're like, oh, you know, yeah, you might be right. It might not and have been that great. And I, I really, what happened. I really hate that. I had gotten nothing but praise. I think he was sick of it. And then they had started off talking about the dessert. And they're saying, this is amazing. And we had done, I had done this, this, I had like, like, talk, like absolute wankology, to be honest. But anyway, <laughs> I had made a deconstructed uh, Jaff oh, cake. Of course you did. All right. So I had like this chocolate mousse. <laughs> That's I'd why made, it's 
not written down I'd here. I made an orange <laughs> drizzle cake and then I'd done this kind of caramelised orangey thing, right? Yeah. And I, and, I, and I actually had been at home making those things, like trying to get them right before the show and all that business. Even though I totally made it up on the right. spot in the meeting, I thought I better learn how to do all these yeah. things. So I did it all. And it did turn out pretty good. And they were enthusing. And yeah. they were like kind of going, wow, you're actually a good cook. And, yeah. and I was saying, well, the team, it's only as good yeah. as your team and all this. <laughs> The humble, the humility of me was so what team? fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it was all me, me, me. Yeah, yeah. I was laughing. But then he goes, oh, I didn't like it at all. What is this? I don't even get it. I think, uh, yeah. oh, you know that shit? I don't uh, even get course. it. Well, and he then, wouldn't, he'd be from an era that the deconstructed dishes would not be up his I don't care. I was only talking nonsense yeah. anyway. But anyway, so so it all shifted. But I remember you saying, and I think I, I, I how would I have been able to hear you? Just, oh, because you'd to me hear me. But I actually heard, <laughs> get a backbone. Was this out from <laughs> the kitchen? And I was like, yes, get a backbone. Yeah. But anyway, we got the four stars. I felt we were robbed. No, but I'll tell you, like we always strive because that's, the thing because we're all in there like and you know people chat to me you know in our day-to-day lives and Gareth and the marker and myself in France like we work long long days the restaurant's the hardest job I do because you literally open a restaurant every single day you walk in yeah the, the food's laid out there's food producers there but they just have all your ingredients you know we do the order they get the food it's left in the station then we put it all away and you literally have a, a, a spanking clean kitchen every morning it's only two starters two mains and two desserts you'll know Kira as being the celebrity chef every single element of every single dish you need it in a cutaway you've got to do in case there's something that happens it and during the service that night they need to be able to go back and see the chef actually putting in shallots instead of yeah. garlic or putting in a mushroom instead of a whatever and so on and so forth so every minute and that's why it takes so much time oh, yeah. I just remember that day never sitting down barely eating yeah. I'm sure this is your life all the time barely get a bite to eat you barely sit down you're you're <laughs> And all those people come in and start talking about the food and you're looking at them. Yeah, yeah. And it, it yeah. actually... And the emotions I can the see why, why chefs are, are... It's like an inv- you've invested... It's yeah, like your yeah. baby or something. Yeah. And you, you did... I, like, um, you and I were, were given out about a few of them. But I, you I, know, like, we like young chefs when they come in fall into that trap of like not eating, you know, trying to run on adrenaline. The nerves of service yeah. is a big thing and I'm sure... I mean, there's loads of jobs, I'm sure, like that, but you have to learn about that quickly. To And yeah. as I'm getting a bit older and I'm managing people a bit more, I've, I try and catch that in someone and I'd say, look, have you're you not hiding to nothing here. Have you guys that. been watching The Bear? You know? Oh, yeah, it's fairly good. I started good. watching it, but I kind of want to watch it. The stress of it, I had to yeah. turn I watched about three episodes and I had to take a break. Yeah. Because oh, I actually think my, it's, probably, my it's blood well made. Going up. It's very good. It's very It's good. close to what goes yeah. on, yeah. but like you, any young chef, you see them making the exact same pitfalls. And I think now, because we're all so much more more aware of like how we manage ourselves how we manage yeah, our yeah, team yeah. you kind of try and get in the it's way it's not a zen but... job lads yeah but oh, you, no, you, you could be at work and say for example Valentine's Day like or like say it's a weekend you're always sold out like Valentine's Wednesday or Thursday Day. I'd feel you pick the worst service yeah. of the year the, the, the butterflies like if you're looking yeah, at a busy service yeah. and then say then it's like the first week in February mm. like you're full on the Saturday night Sunday lunch you're like somebody's on holidays that time of year people are like right I'm a man down I'm doing whatever of that in the menu every day and you can feel Feel that stress right here in the pit of your stomach, and then, then the next week comes, and then before you know it, you're now in the week of Valentine's Day. And the week of Valentine's Day, if it falls midweek, you're going to have two Valentine's Day. You're going to have the weekend before, the weekend after. Why would you and say Valentine's Day is such a hard service to cook for? It's awful. Is it because some of them aren't normally restaurant goers? No. No. Oh, the room is filled with all tables of. Two. Yeah. So you have no groups, oh, no groups. You want a ten or a twelve yeah. or a fifteen because it you... breaks the covers for you. Yeah. So there's okay. also there's also two two two, two, two. Oh. no ambience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tables are coming at you so frantically that you can't even think or speak. I mean, we had a five six set course dinner. You know what I mean? Like so, you get your first fifteen, twenty twenty five tables. You know, bush starter yeah. middle main bush yeah. starter middle main. Now you're coming up here. The main start going out, and there's still a wave of starters, but. It's it's all so frantic. There's always something happens in the room yeah. on Wednesday. Uh, the only yeah. thing I can liken it to, well, maybe apart from working in A&E, uh, like I wouldn't know none of my other jobs, but is it a bit like going on stage or something like 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 a stand-up comedy or something like, like you, you're there you're going and uh, this isn't ending till the show is well, over I always felt the problem with Valentine's Day right is there's an awful lot of the room that you know 
for the most part, right, let's just say the guy invites the girl out for dinner for argument's sake, but for the most part, a lot of the women in, the, in that dining room on Valentine's night, the last night that they were brought out was the same date the year before, right? Oh, there's geez. loads of it. That, I would have I would have noticed loads in dining Well, there you go. There's there because they're all groups, a lot of it can be first dates as well, possibly, That's right? There's loads of people that have never had dinner. L- lo- loads of people. I did never wonder dinner. was that a thing because like they go because it's Valentine's, so they're going to a restaurant, yeah. but they're not familiar. I waitressed for years, ha, right? You I was did a, not. Did you? I waitressed. I waitressed when you were in when you were in college. Yeah, I waitressed <laughs> right up till a week before I qualified as a doctor. Well, right, that was oh. back in the day. I had no money, so I yeah. literally waitressed my way through college. So I was always in and out of kitchens. Now I was not not anything to do with the cooking, but. I was used to getting yelled at. I would say you were a mouth to the chef, were you? There's no fucking I was a very good waitress. I never forgot things. I was good. Yeah. I was on top oh, of yeah, it. And I'm be, fast. I didn't yeah, say yeah. you wouldn't be good. I'd but I wouldn't, take much, I wouldn't take much shit. I actually got on well with the chef. Because ah, yeah. we're, all, we're, we're all alphas. Do you know yeah, what I mean? We were all like that. So we kind of got each other. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about, though. Like, I remember serving um, one night, and I think it could have been Valentine's, and I brought over to this couple, and, and he had ordered uh, an espresso coffee. And, and this is actually quite funny. And I, I put them down and he goes, what's that? And I said, it's your, your coffee. Uh, and he says, it's only half full. Yeah, and I was like, oh, lad. <laughs> with this. And I said, is, you ordered an espresso? He goes, yeah, fill it up. And I was yeah, like, oh, no, oh, oh, no. So you have people who have yeah. obvi- obviously. Notions. N- but they've never been. They, they, don't, they, know. they, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know what they've ordered. Yeah. So and they're that, not that's happy. The thing. Like, it's, it's such a, it used to be a horrible night, a horrible <laughs> ambience in the room. And uh, and just I remember the Valentine's Day two thousand and nine. How do you in Viewmount? That? I'll never forget it because it's the first time that I ever took drink because of work. I sat down. Afterwards. I'll never forget it to the day I die. And uh, <laughs> it was Viewmount had been open five or six months. I'd put on a really fancy menu. It was already quite fancy for the area, or whatever. The chefs were quite young. I've eaten in Viewmont as fabulous. Yeah, everyone was kind of young. So for Valentine's Day, I kicked it up. Marcus a- fabulous too, by the way. Yeah, I <laughs> kicked it up a couple of notches then for Valentine's Day. I was only one that was really at the races. Daniel, the boys started struggling. I realized very quickly that, you know, why are you doing such a crazy menu in this day when everybody eating here, like, like they just, they want it nice, but it didn't need to be as nice as it was. And chips and Look, we, I, I held on and we, I held on Nothing and we got that. Good chip. And I remember going up to the kitchen and to see James, the owner. I'd always call up to chat to James for 10 or 20 minutes before going home. And there was a bottle of Penny Black. Penny Black is the darkest wine. It's a South African red wine. It's beautiful. It's about 50, 60 bucks a bottle. And he goes, what's that there? In the corner, he goes, oh, it's some wine. The wine's direct, boys. There's classic drinks dropped in. I says, give me that bottle. Open that bottle there. <laughs> and I swear to quick, God, give it to I, me quick. I, I drank half the bottle of red wine from the bottle. And it's the one and only time. Jeez, it's the one and only time in my whole life you just felt that pressure. I that I turned to actually alcohol I needed to take something to take my mind off the ser- how I held on to that service I'll never know I'll never ever know and then from that you ah, on, I learned an awful I learned an awful lot that night about just the kitchen and myself and like to really think about what I'm doing like before well, a service 2009 think about that that's what how many years ago is, is that 14 nearly 15 years yeah. ago so that is a like you're only a young fella. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So and I see here Villa Monadori on your menu. I had Villa Monadori balsamic vinegar on a dish. You can't, I don't know what, but... Considering I've never heard of Villa Monadori. <laughs> I was going to say... I think I know where that yeah. came from I know, on the, I know on the menu. I know we say we never help the guests on the restaurant, but I'm going to straight out say I would well, drink I, that. I'm, this is not like I'm not going to admit yeah. it. I don't. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Now is the perfect time to dig into a Cully and Sully Risotto. Go loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Cully and Sully's squashed veggie soup is in season and the perfect warming meal. Go loud. Sounds better with us. So what does what does food look like now at home? Do you cook at home or? Yeah, I do, and and it's. Uh, it's it's very like my kids 
they're, they're not like limited as in they, they, you know what I mean, they don't eat, eat muck and they don't eat, they're not yeah. like mm. chicken. They're, anyway, they're beyond that age, they're not yeah, the chicken yeah. nuggets or whatever. Yeah. But my kids love things like stir fries and they love things Perfect. like curries. Yeah. Like, so they're big into curries, more so, and it's kind of funny, more so than stews. And I always think that oh. curries are a bit like stews as in it's but sauce, it's, yeah. it's, it's that kind of thing, but it's just a different culture. But they, they I don't know what it says My about kids don't them. eat spuds, it drives me mental. My kids don't really like spuds either, but then again, I don't like spuds that much. <gasps> Oh, I like certain spuds, but not. Yeah, I don't really like mash. Wow. I don't really like boiled unless it's covered in butter. I do like roast. Okay. Yeah. Baked are okay and chips. Which are they now? Because you're up at like what? You must be up at five, right? Or before that? Yeah, probably. And do you eat then or no? No, no. I don't eat then because, to be honest, it would make me sick. Like at that hour in the morning, it's like a red eye flight time of the day. And if I started eating, then I'd actually be sick. So I get up. I don't even have. I don't even have coffee till I hit the office. I get up. I Go. read the papers yeah, at okay, home yeah, yeah. online. That's get dressed, have a shower, and I'm in the car. I do my 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 pre-show production meetings as a conference call in the car. So it's, I'm telling you, it's down to a fine art yeah. how efficient I am in the mornings yeah. right. because it's all about trying to maximise your sleep. Yeah, yeah. So I get into work then, and then I have my first cup of coffee when I hit the office, and I don't eat until after I go home later on in the day which is quite like a long period of time but otherwise I would be I would be kind of ill but I do I love cooking and like for example I am already thinking about Christmas dinner yeah, I've already put up a WhatsApp ah. poll in, with my family so what are you cook? asking them about what dessert they want for example and I'm like and they've said cheesecake so now I'm like well, what, what kind of cheesecake am I making I'm already thinking and is it definitely turkey and ham 100% have That's you ever stuff. tried anything else I wouldn't get away with it. Yeah. Right, I wouldn't get away with it. Proper because order. They, 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 they'd revolt. I've got a kid coming home. He's 23 from Australia. I can't like, wait for his He's hanging for turkey. That, that, oh, that, yeah. Turkey, ham, a couple of different types of stuffing. I'll have sausage yeah. meat stuffing. I'll have Yum. sage and onion stuffing. I'll have roast potatoes. I will have probably gratin potatoes. Your boy's have. living in Australia, is he? In Australia. Oh, that'd be lovely. Australian to get girlfriend. She's a gorgeous girl. She I really, really like her. No, but, but oh, she is Australian. Where? There he's he's going he's coming home for I think I think it's a month of Christmas he's going back and they're moving in together in Melbourne Ooh. and she is lovely Ella if you're listening you are lovely <laughs> come and live in Ireland I know already that I have to produce the kind of traditional we'll probably have like a fish starter crab claws or or Yum. something like you know that yeah. kind of thing I forego the starter I don't do nobody wants a starter in the house because they want they want to have as much room as possible oh, I'm kind of with spuds them. and sides I'm kind of with and them. I, that's the way well mammy used to have a prawn cocktail used to be, she used to give me to make her a prawn cocktail because back in the 80s that was very fancy and it was still was, fancy well still kind of I, yeah. like a, I still like a prawn mammy cocktail mammy loved a prawn cocktail Christmas and I always made her one and I'd have a wee small one but again I mean I'm a fat bastard but I can't really eat a lot of food because I'd be tasting all the way through the dinner you're a grazer like, aren't you yeah I'm a grazer <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just my mouth starts when I get up at 6 o'clock <laughs> and it stops when you're I go a, to bed at kind of, well. there's a fish isn't it that does that it just goes through yeah. the sea and whatever, I, whatever it catches I eat and all day do you do you all day I'm nearly the opposite. I'm like a camel. I go hours and hours in the day because I can as well. I can go. And then, and then I go. I I do that thing that I can do do. that too. And then I'll be halfway up the road or down the road to Dublin or whatever. Start getting the shakes, and I'll be like going, "Geez, when did I last eat? It could have been the day before, right?" Yeah, I do that too. I forget. It's it's the most erratic that it drives a net mental because she's so perfect you know yeah she's a teacher she eats and do you you look at the week to set the week up or are you good at all that the the weekly truthfully now the weekly dinners don't vary that much there's usually like a chicken curry one night there's usually some kind of pasta dish because they they like those those things you know there's usually a kind of a a stir fry thing Um, and always from scratch you always like get the ingredients make from scratch yeah yeah, sometimes there might be a jar thrown in there but I don't like to cook from recipes and I would never put a jar in and that'd be the end of it. Well, you just took something like, I was going to say like, I always know the ones that aren't faking it whenever they come on the restaurant to, you know, when they're the celeb chef and they have a natural flair for cooking. So when Kira was over in my section doing the dishes, I was probably annoying I was like, you. So how much of that, Kira? And she's like, oh, well, I just kind of do it like that there and I was like, that's my girl. I <laughs> do. Because that's, and that's I'm a mad one you know for someone. tasting. Yeah. Like, I oh, taste, taste, taste. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, I need a little bit more of this. And that's what I love about cooking. Yeah. The only thing I really use a and I, I'll show you a little bit later on. The only thing I really use like proper recipes for is baking things, right? Yeah, well, because oh, yeah, I've made an absolute bollocks too many times <laughs> baking things because I've used, yeah. I've tried the pinch of this, pinch yeah, of that, and I've gotten something that tastes rank, yeah, right? I realize, oh, okay, well, doesn't doesn't work with bacon. Yeah. Bacon, 
cooking is art and baking is science. Yeah. And I, I prefer cooking, to be honest. So, because I do throw bits of things and I go, oh, that's too salty. If I do use a, a jar, there'll still be like a, a, a tin of coconut milk. There'll still be a bit of um, lemongrass or something. I'll, I'll be firing yeah. things in like a, and my kitchen is all, like the, the splashback behind my cooker is, you know, you know that kind of thing. Like I'm just like throwing things in. I'm like the the Swedish chef and the Muppets, like, oh, firing right. it all in, singing away, listening to the radio, uh, and loving it because I actually enjoy it. And I, I think that's why I like cooking though because I I just love eating. Like I oh, actually, right. I don't understand people that don't enjoy food because mm. food to me is one of the greatest pleasures you'll ever have. The, best thing you can do in life is sit outside on a warm evening with a cold glass of white wine and a plate of even simple, simple, I'm going to sound real, like real chefy wanky now, but like simple, simple food, but you're outdoors and it's warm yeah. and you're, you're enjoying yeah. it. Um, I just love it. Love it completely. Yeah. And I did learn a recipe when I was away, as in I asked in the restaurant, hey, just tell me what's in this because it's so good. And it was tuna tartare. It was like raw tuna, oh. capers, black peppers and a few onions, a bit of garlic, Hang black pepper. With sp- <laughs> spaghetti in this oh, tiny yeah. Italian place, the tuna was raw, on, so and, and a bit of fresh, oh, yeah. a bit of fresh kind of kind of shreddedy parmesan on top. You're definitely a cook, and all the no, way. You're, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, this is unreal. Tell me, is it ju- is it re- really just the ingredients that I that yeah. I and it lemon was just juice, that lemon juice. It, yeah. There was lemon juice. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And like the, the tuna obviously went in so late, it still even though it was little tiny, it still hadn't cooked. Yeah, and it was amazing. Ma- like do you know that kind of, and the glass of wine. Well, that's where a dish like that there. You know the ingredients just need to be amazing, like, and they were because like, we were yeah. we were you know what I mean we were by the sea. Oh, it was right. all that. So going back to your time in Optran, like again, reference my my lovely physique. I got to be on the show at one stage, and this is the first before, time we met. Yeah, the first time we met, and if you had been a dude, I'd have broke your face <laughs> because it was one stage you said something to me, and I was like, oh my. God, what did you I say? Was I a tiny bit I blunt said, by any well, chance, you were Gary? Being blunt, but you were being a bollocks, right? And I, whatever it was you were saying, I, 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 I didn't. Put it this way, Elaine Crowley blocked me on all social media. Oh, no hey. <laughs> she did. Yeah, I, I got you away know. with a few things because I would smile at you as I said it. But then it was about a month or so later. Then whenever you rang me to go and do your radio show, and I was like, really? I goes, yeah, okay. And from day one, I know we did the show. No, I know we, we, we used to famously. have such a laugh. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I really did. Um, and then I, I mean, I did it for a good year and a half even the first year and a half I was at the Chateau the internet's better in France <laughs> sometimes if I wasn't in studio I'd do it over Skype or over the phone but I, the I always no it's not you find no. that guess the, uh, the I much prefer in studio yeah. but after Covid they all disappeared and we had nobody yeah, yeah. so I'm kind of yeah. used to it now because right, okay. we really have much less guests in studio now when they oh. walk in I'm nearly like yeah. oh what are you doing here? like being caught in your, yeah, in, your yeah. in your bathroom or something like what are you doing in my studio but but it is much better because it's like this we're Chemistry. sitting around a table now you're looking in the eye you're having the laugh yeah. whereas sometimes particularly like on phone lines and stuff certainly things like like humour is a bit lost because yeah. people don't know if, if you're being snippy or if you're having a joke like all that yeah, business you lose eye contact you totally yeah. do and also yeah. even coming in and coming out you're, you're talking over people yeah. because you don't know that they're about to speak because yeah. you can't see them yeah. Yeah. and when you're in the car actually, I mean I could turn off a, sh- a show in a split second if people are constantly talking over each other it just goes through my brain I'm like oh here I'm moving on or yeah. you know the likes of that one where you mentioned there when you did George's show with Shane and, and David Dave. or um Dave McIntyre and that I mean if you aren't all sat around a round table or sat around the studio we, near how I I think anyway I, I got tried once basically <laughs> and then I said something on air which I think probably secured me coming back ever after and I'll tell you what I said uh, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you what I said but I will uh, I, I was I was new and I had never done really non-health things and this was a show and they're all professionals and they're all lads and it was quite blokey it was quite right. laddie you know that doesn't bother me, but but I I knew I was slightly like the 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 girl in the room or whatever, and they weren't gonna they weren't gonna pull their punches either because it's not that kind of show. It's yeah. it's a bit un, you know, it's unscripted. It's all that business. Mm. So we were there doing that, and we were talking about little at the time. George had never I don't think George had ever been in a little right, and it was the you know the middle aisle, and yeah. I was saying you can get anything in the middle aisle. I said all this kind of engineering equipment, mad shits in the middle aisle and little. I said I could literally, and this is what I said. I was trying to think of technical terms just to explain what I'm saying of engineering type terms and I went in and I said on air I could go into Lidl and I could be looking for like a like a suction pump for my flange is what I actually <laughs> what said the... I, I meant you know what a flange is in my defence a flange is an actual aviation thing that goes anyway, is it? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It has a... Not on the street, I, 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 It has a technical yeah. meaning, right? And I well. said that and I looked around... I I don't, said it now, by the way, George didn't know what the hell I was talking about, you right? Oh, but God. Shane and Dave. Then he went to Little. Shane. Home. <laughs> little shares. George Shut up. Still a little. <laughs> Shut up. He's still wandering the middle aisle. <laughs> anyway, so we were there oh, and we took a break after that and they were crying. And Dave McIntyre, who was in front of a screen, I wasn't in front of a screen because I was kind of a, a guest <laughs> person. He goes, you want to see what's just happened to the text line. <laughs> and we were howling. But it was nerves. I was nervous. Yeah, and I didn't know what I was saying. But anyway, they said, can you come back next week? Yeah. And I was, and I, ever after, if that was it. Died, blurted out. I know, but that's that's kind of, that's yeah. kind of my, we have well, to have a look my at your broadcasting book. style. You've a career. So yeah, look, we, we always ask our guests, Kira to bring in a book that they either love, love the pictures, love the dishes, use, don't use, whatever reason you brought it in. What have you brought? First of all, you'll see this because look how filthy Well, wow. uh-huh. it's unbelievable. Wow. Go on. Well, okay. We love we love a dirty cookbook. It's yeah. filthy, right? You can see it's actually it's fucking manky, right? <laughs> There's actual sauce and everything on it, right? Yeah. This came out in nineteen ninety-nine when I bought my first house, a little pebble dash house in the Liberties. That's where the first house I ever lived. So it's the first time I ever had my own kitchen. Wow. And I had a ca- I had one of those um cookers that came with the house, like it was an old banger cooker, like yeah. I don't mean like banger like banging tune, I mean banger like an old car. It had the 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 white metal splashback and the yeah. high level grill and I was all that. Say, yeah, you're yeah the all that yeah. business. So I had all of that. And I, I I wanted to make food that wasn't what my mum would have been making growing up, even though my mum, by the way, was a tremendously good mm-hmm. cook. So what, what like I still want to make her things. But this book, and it is, by the way, Jamie Oliver, the naked chef, it's quite old and as the lads can see, it's manky. Well used. That's um, his first book, is it? Yeah. Yeah. This is the first it's one. It has stuff book. like Mushroom risotto, wild mushroom risotto and those kind of things. And those are the things, by the way, at the end of the 90s that I thought, well, I'm going to have a lash at that. I'm going to yeah. buy these dried porcini things and try and work out how to do them and drink the wine while I do I'd the cooking. It, it, it probably invokes some unbelievable memories. Oh, but, but it, 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 this, and the other okay. thing is, is inside this, <laughs> another <laughs> filthy thing. This is one of my go-to recipes and I thought I'd show it to you because it is, it's a chocolate brownie, but I'm, it's, I make it as a cake. It is the what? best chocolate brownie recipe I've ever come across who gave which you is, that? which is why I was at a dinner party in someone's house and I said that's the best that's the best can I read it just yeah. it a... I said that's the best chocolate brownie I've <clears throat> ever tasted and wow. she said I'll give you the thing I half it because it's it's too big it, like, it, it, it would make enough it's to... a fondant recipe yeah. it's amazing yeah, yeah, it's am- it's amazing look at him out with the phone Rob <laughs> look, look at that I'm telling you it's the best <laughs> one I've ever tasted because there's all that golden syrup in yeah, the middle yeah, of it yeah. and, and the crust on the outside yeah. of it so it's a perfect brownie with a, with a good quality white, uh, like vanilla ice cream well, a little right, bit of right, shaved white chocolate right away it's got cho- actual chocolate in yeah. it oh yeah I mean good chocolate oh no no a lot of times the brownies cocoa. they give you cocoa I know or and that's muck that's yeah, just muck no good so, so that's, that's what this is what I look like in the, in the kitchen you can see you can probably see I actually am a cook can't you do yes but you know our guest last week brought a Jamie Oliver book. Really? Yeah, and that just goes to show that the effect he had. Well, that and also that the recipes work in those cookbooks. Yeah. And they do work because mm. I've made yeah. loads of them. I I almost thought about bringing in a Nigella Lawson and, oh, and, and hers work. work too. And so we could all start rubbing ourselves and everything. You know, that kind of <laughs> you remind me of her all the time, funny enough, you know. But you're not yeah. the first person to say that. But she like she makes things like bread and butter puddings and all that are unreal. And like, you know, you make the custard, it's proper it's proper home yeah, cooking. She's proper cooking. Yeah, you make it and you know, all that business. But oh, yeah. the cream is just all over the spoon and I will just lick, <laughs> lick it off I know the microwave yeah. what is that about but anyway so the, you, but it just goes to show you they're of the era when I started cooking for myself do you know what I mean like, like I wouldn't be as up to date with some of the more popular things and I have cookbooks in my kitchen that, that belong to my mam and there's well, notes in them like my mother a, it's yeah. filthy Oh, uh, but but, you know it's funny because people are still buying cookbooks even though you can get you go, any like, recipe and I do by the way if I want a recipe now I will go on to you know BBC online and I'll have a look at you know I'll look for a lamb tagine or I'll look yeah, for yeah, yeah. I'll kind of go oh, I'm going to make such and such a thing how do I do that if I don't know I'll look to see do I have the right ingredients or do I know what I'm doing in my there's head a, there's a question I like to ask someone that cooks a lot if you haven't got an ingredient does it throw you for no not remotely I, I'd yeah. I'd I actually went through a phase of loving tagines and I do like them. And then one of my kids was eating them and they, they were full of all the, you know, the apricots and all the business. And one of my kids said, I do like these, this is what they, I do like these stews, mum, with the dissolved meat. And I went, 
oh, that sounds rank, doesn't it? <laughs> so they fell off the menu at home pretty quickly. Because it was like, like, I was thinking, oh, melting. I was all in a jelly, yeah, yeah, melting yeah, yeah. the yeah. And instead it was like the dissolved meat. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't I don't know. But they, they kind of took them from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah that Just a bad word for a good piece of... I know. Lovely braised... I know. Hammer. Anyway. Beef for sure, yeah. Well, that's a great that's a great call, actually, on, on the book. Well, listen, Kira, I think that wraps us up. Hey, it was brilliant to have you Thank in you studio. So much. And uh, you owed me an old interview anyway. I've given you yeah. a few years. You have. You've dug me out of several holes <laughs> over the years, in fairness to you. No, that was amazing. It was lovely to have you in. And thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks a million. All right. Wow, that was good. That was a good chat, wasn't it? That was some crack, man. I yeah. laughed so much. But anyway. She's, and Janella. She's just a brilliant guest. And a proper cook. Yeah. I knew when she said, I'm tasting, I'm tasting. I was like, Grant, it's the hardest thing to teach. She was a bit embarrassed about the cookbook being dirty and we loved it. It was oh, the first exactly. thing I noticed. I was like, look, I, it's the end of that. But the second cookbook that's at the coming in is another Jamie Eller. I know, yeah. But sure, look, that's way. It's probably Marketing. like Donald's and Evan's books. <laughs> like, I mean, people buy what they like. The People yeah, buy yeah. what works. Yeah. And Jamie, Jamie Oliver back then was a superstar. He still is a star, but I mean, the right. Sports book as well, so. Back in the, the 90s, like the Naked Chef. Yeah, so fair play to Kira for coming in. That was fantastic. So look, every week we ask you to send in your questions to dishing at goloudnow.com and producer Russell is going to read out a couple. I am. I'm actually going to start off with my first one here from myself. Oh. oh. And it goes back to when we were doing Gadget of the Week at the very beginning mm. and you mentioned about cast iron frying pans and the likes. And I'm sure people buy them and then they might go a little bit hairy. What's the best way to keep them clean? So I'll, I'll grab this because I was just talking about it in my... Uh, so if you buy a cast iron griddle pan or any cast iron frying pan, they will go rusty and they'll start to take on a little bit of carbon. Especially the reason why you're buying them is because they get really hot. So there's a thing that you have to do with any cast iron cookware and you need to do it every couple of months. It's called seasoning. So all you do is you put it on the stove and you put your uh, the heat underneath it on full bar, so up nice and hot. And then you want to put nearly a half of... You know, the, the table salt, half of one of them in. So you need to cover the whole base of the pan in salt. And that's called seasoning. And then you just leave it there till it nearly goes red. That's how hot you want to get it. And then after you've done that, you just let it cool down a little bit. So remember, that salt that's in there is going to be really hot. And also the pan is going to be really hot. I like to use a little wire brush and just give it a little brush around. And what the salt does is, what the salt is actually doing is, it's giving you a, a non-stick crust again. So it's extracting any of the things that's been sticking to the pan. Little bits of oil, little bits of burnt on carbon. And you'll see then, you'll, when the salt cools down, you throw it out. And then all you're going to do is get a, a vegetable oil or a sunflower oil onto a cloth, into the pan and give it a really good wipe. Now it's going to look pretty manky when you first do it. And then you just, another little bit of kitchen towel and give it a good wipe again. And then that pan will behave like a non-stick pan until it stops behaving like a non-stick pan. And then you just repeat the process and that's called seasoning your pan. Great. Great question, Russell. Thank and when you. you leave, yeah. And when you leave it... <laughs> And when you leave it in the press, I always put one or two wee uh, sheets of kitchen paper on yeah. top of it so that if you throw a frying pan in on top, it's always, always, every frying pan in my uh, drawers, like I've got them, uh, they all sit on a little bit of kitchen paper. That's a really That's good, a good yeah. yeah. So you don't scrape one, one the base of one scrapes the other. Mm. So it always just stops that happening. That's a really good yeah. tip. Uh, I mean, that was a brilliant explanation, but yeah. just a little, little bougie, little, you know, and it's, it's in, in such plain English as opposed to a lot, a lot of the um, suggested advice online in particular is coming from American point of views or maybe even barbecue point of views as right. well. Yeah. So it's really good to have that. So thank you for that. To your questions now, here in Foxford, I'm trying to rely less on shop-bought sauces and jars and making more myself instead. One thing I can't ever seem to get right is hollandaise sauce. It always ends up lumpy like scrambled eggs. What am I doing wrong and can I fix it? Oh, lumpy. Well, look, hollandaise is one of the five mother sauces. It's the classic. I have a set recipe that I use all the time for hollandaise. Even if I'm only making it in small batches, I nearly always use one pound of butter. You know what I mean? I do one pound of butter, one minute, 15 seconds in the microwave, let it sit, then I clarify that. And what I mean by that is the the butter solids, 
the fat's going to go to the top and you're going to be able to gently pour it out and you're going to see at the base then the little milky fatty residue. milky residue and the little scum it's going to look like sort of like little white scummy bits and that's just impurities or whatever so you're going to pour out nice so you got to melt it in a see-through container you're going to pour out all your, your pure butter your clarified butter and set that aside and while it's still warm you get a little pot on the stove bring it to the boil and then I I use eight egg yolks, right? Or say maybe six large egg yolks or eight medium egg yolks. Gaz is shaking. No, no, I agree. no, I agree with but you. You're going to make a good bit of whole this. Yeah, I've been making it. But look, I, I kind of make it in the, the chateau all the time for breakfast. You probably can, you can cut this in half and you'll still have more than enough if you've got two or three or four people at home at the weekend. So whatever I say to you here, cut it in half and do the exact same thing and you'll have plenty. All right. A little bit of white wine vinegar. A little bit of tarragon and a little bit of shot. Sometimes you only do this for bearnaise, but I like to do it as well for hollandaise, where I'll bring that to a wee quick boil. You can either microwave it to boil it in a little tiny pot, strain it into your bowl then, right? You're probably talking about two or three tablespoons, about a tablespoon of your vinegar solution, eight egg yolks and the juice of half a lemon and then a tiny, tiny bit of salt, very, very little salt because I like to use salted butter and white pepper. So about three to four decent pinches of white pepper. Now you put the bowl over your pot of boiling water, turn the heat all the way down low so you're only really working off the steam of the water and use a balloon whisk, it's called. And what I mean by a balloon whisk is it's it's a whisk with like a large head on it where the bristles, are the, the wire is quite soft and you want to get as much air in as possible, whipping the egg until they're sabi on which is thick creamy double in bulk and then in one steady stream and this is where it gets tricky right so what you do now is whenever your eggs are at the right sort of fluffiness get a sort of a damp tea towel create a circle on your worktop sit the bowl into it because when you're by yourself it's very hard to whisk and pour in the butter the towel is going to stop the bowl floating away and then in a steady, non, a very consistent stream, you start whisking quite hard and you pour in the butter in a steady stream. And as the butter is going into the egg yolk, sabion, it'll start to thicken. And then when that's done, add in two teaspoons of boiling water and that's it. And it's perfect every time. The and then you can pass that through a fine sieve. Just, it should be fine. But I like to pass it through a fine sieve, push it through with the base of a dessert spoon, and you'll have the fluffiest, most beautiful hollandaise. Put the eggs on quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get breakfast ready. I was actually, you couldn't see me there, but I was moving my hands. Oh, I was getting into that big I was room. getting into it. I was talking. It's all, but hollandaise, I've seen, I remember a guy, Peter Drews, at a competition, Jesus, 20 something years ago. Like, you know, then we competitions you do in your college. But like you'd only be allowed a certain amount of ingredients, and everybody terrified if I get the hollandaise wrong and be hiding eggs in your pants and everything like to, <laughs> to get a second crack at it. You know, no pun intended. But it, it's it's so easy to split it. You know what I mean? Like and uh, and it's normally the temperature you've just it, you're out there letting it get too hot. Mm -hmm. So the lumpy if it goes lumpy on it, it just means you've overcooked the eggs. So you know, cooking is always about control. And that's the perfect example of how you have to control the heat. Yeah, so, it's know, a really good question. And, and I tell you, like for the listener that sent it in, it, it, you know, it's a great one. But fair play to you, number one, that you're attempting hollandaise. Yeah. And number two, it really, really is. The only way that that gets lumpy is if you let the bowl get too hot when you're whisking the eggs and or you're adding your butter too cold is another way that would do it. You know, you just got to be all at the nice temperature, nice steady. Thank you so much, Kira, for that question. Uh, Mary in Athlone has has a question and she needs your help badly by the sounds of things. Help <laughs> lads, I'm in a bit of a rut here. I'm making the same rotation of dinners for my family and while they're all delicious, one thing I'm sort of bored of is cottage pie. Have you any suggestions of how I could jazz it up a little bit, making it a bit more exciting? Yeah, I actually shared a recipe fairly recently for a, a Moroccan style uh, cottage pie. So I just brought a few spices into the mix. So like if you're using... Uh, Beef mince, if it's cottage pie, um, well, that's what you should be using. You can just add in a little bit of cumin and ground coriander and uh, you know a little bit of smoked paprika. And then with your mashed potato on the top, rather than just using regular potatoes, use some sweet potato. Um, and it'll just give you that slightly different twist on it. Or if you are making cottage pie all the time, why not move to a shepherd's pie and try lamb mince? I think that's a very quick way out 
to mix it up a little bit and give you something different. And then again, if you don't want to put the mash on the top of it, you could always try puff pastry and shop-bought puff pastry on the top is always a winner. Uh, if you're stuck for time, it's just a quicker way of doing it. But yeah, there's a few little suggestions. Mm, yeah. um, myself and Gary uh, share loads of recipes, so check out our socials and you'll always see loads of recipes. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Yeah. You, you could either change, change the top. I mean, you could you know ask for a few beef cheeks if you wanted to. I mean, look, it's either a cottage pie or it's not as well. So it's one of those ones where do you just call it something completely different but you know if, if you like it with the beef mints um, well and good maybe put a, a parsnip mash or a celeriac mash on top or a root vegetable mash is quite nice a mixture of parsnip and carrot and some celeriac all together like whatever quantity of potato you're doing do the same with the root vegetables might not be as dry so whenever you cook it and you mash it put them back on the pot to get as much steam and moisture out of them as possible before you mash them up and that's, that's a nice way of doing it you know or just brazen down some jacob's ladder beef ribs or beef cheeks if you want to have if you want to make it with like pulled pieces of meat that's actually nicer in a shepherd's pie when you use lamb shanks or lamb shoulder instead of lamb mince for a, for a shepherd's pie but again you know keeping it the way you have with the beef mince the way to make it funky is it's a lovely idea Garrett said there with the spices and if all else fails tune into Pat Kenny every Friday because <laughs> Yaz's recipes are deadly yeah. some really good suggestions there though because it can be that thing when you have a dish that you make ad nauseum at home in particular yeah. you sometimes forget how to be creative with them so they're really good useful tips there for you now uh, we'll end on Tom's question he's in Waterford and he has asked you can only eat one biscuit again for the rest of your life what is it? I don't eat a lot of biscuits, but probably a toss-up between a one double, biscuit, a double cream, a double cream Oreo. Well, one biscuit for the rest of my life. No ginger nut. Oh, or ginger nut. But it has to be the ones in the blue packet. They're hotter. Blue. The blue packet. <laughs> the both of us set forward. I don't, there. Know, I don't know which 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 brand is it. McVitie's that makes the ginger nuts. Sure anyway, be, there's yeah. there's a ginger nut and it's in a blue packet. Another one is blue and orange. So it's quite orange is the more prominent colour. But find the blue packet ginger nuts. That's the one. Fiery. Giddy up. I'm going to do a, a custard cream. Mm. I'm, classical. Yeah, no, classical. If, if I was to pick plastic. one forever, one forever, <laughs> it's a custard cream. It's a very well-made biscuit. I love a shortbread. I was going to say a shortbread. And then I was like, oh, come You on, probably man. like apple tarts too, but they head on you. I made an apple tart yesterday, <laughs> would you believe? <laughs> I love an apple tart. Grandpa. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> like an apple tart and a cigar on a Sunday. Oh, ah, yeah. <laughs> Rotten. <laughs> you don't like an apple tart? Uh, give me a half a block of Vianetta with a few strawberries oh, on the side. Get off the Where stage. do you stand on uh, Romantica versus Vianetta? Oh. Not being nothing. Listen, What's romantic? there's That's only no there's romantic. only one thing. It's there's, a Vianetta with notions. There's only <laughs> really? there's only one sound in the world <laughs> nicer than a Maserati Gran Turismo engine, <laughs> and it's a spoon going through the layers of chocolate on a Vianetta that you've let rest for about four minutes before eating. <laughs> Sweet, mammy Jesus. <laughs> I would eat a Viennetta out of a dirty sock. Oh, uh, give me an apple pudding. I actually I think I have a collection of you saying about things you're going to eat out of a dirty <laughs> yeah, sock. Yeah, so I'm yeah. looking forward to We're episode... two or three weeks in. I'm looking forward to episode 12 where it's the dirty sock experiment. We'll see how true that is. Thank you so much for those questions. Uh, if you would like to ask the guys any questions at any point, do email us dishing at goloudnow.com and we'll ask away next week. So, thank you very much for listening again this week. Uh, another cracking show. Kira absolutely blew our socks off, didn't she? Ah, she yeah, was she's brilliant. a sweetheart. This was Dishing It Out, a Go Loud original podcast. Be sure to subscribe, whichever you get your podcasts. Myself, Gareth. And me, Gary. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Coley and Sully. Deliciously fresh, tastes like homemade ingredients you find in your kitchen. Go Loud. Sounds better with us.